Welcome back to Bible Love. And we are continuing our way through Lent, continuing our way through the Psalms. Today we find ourselves on Thursday in the third week of Lent. So the prayer for today, let us pray. Keep watch over your church, O Lord, with your unfailing love. And since it is grounded in human weakness and cannot maintain itself without your aid, protect it from all danger and keep it in the way of salvation. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So, Alan, um, in Lent, you know, well, I mean, every Sunday, we have talked about this a lot, but there's always a psalm included. Um, I should say, I, I mean, nine times out of ten, there's a psalm included in um, our services, at least in the Episcopal Church. And so this past Sunday for the third Sunday of Lent, um, it was um, Psalm 95. And it was the entire psalm, but mo- a lot of Psalm 95, not the entire, but a lot of it is commonly called the Venite. And it's used in morning prayer and evening prayer. And um, so I have this wonder, I was telling Alan about this, and I just wanted to share with you, I have this wonderful parishioner who is Cradle Episcopalian, and she gave me this book that I had never seen before. It's called Our Prayers and Praise, The Order for Daily Morning Prayer and the Order for the Administration of the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion. And it looks like this particular one was printed um, in 1957, and that's the year she received it because she was baptized on June 30th, 1957, at three months old, at Church of the Resurrection, where we are now. And I know if you're not watching on YouTube, you can't see this, but it has this beautiful illustration about what the Venite is. And I just wanted to read that to y'all, and then I thought we could talk about Psalm 95 a little bit. So it says, the Venite, the absolution tells us that God loves us, and this makes us so happy we want to sing. That is why we sing the Venite. The word Venite is Latin for O Come, the first two words of this song. In the Venite, we thank God for making us his children. We thank him for placing us in this wonderful world he has made. We thank God for his constant care of us. God feeds us and helps us. God protects us from harm. We also remember that God expects us to obey him. So that's a lot happening in that one psalm, right? And so, listeners, if you want to go get your Book of Common Prayer or your Bible, the Venite is not, again, not all of seventy of Psalm 95, but it's got a lot of interesting emotions in it, right? So it starts out as, you know, we thank God for being... Um, God's children. So, oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. And we've talked about this before, Alan, but like that 830 and 1030, the difference of saying it and singing it, um, it just makes such a difference to me. Um, so did y'all sing this at your service on Sunday? Yeah, we, 
Yeah, we chant. We chant the psalm every Sunday, both services. Um, which sometimes for this, it's beautiful. We talked, you know, a couple months ago, we chanted about bashing babies' heads. That's a little bit different. But this, we get, you know, come, let us sing to the Lord. Um, like there's something about it. There's something that, especially for folks who do morning prayer regularly, it becomes almost rote, right? Like mm-hmm. you can go through the whole thing. And I remember when I was in seminary, it was the most consistent I ever was with morning prayer. Yeah. Jimmy, who uh, has been a guest a couple of times, he and I were in the same apartment complex. We would uh, take our W's, William and Walker, drop them at uh, the Butterfly House and then go to morning prayer. And it was about the most faithful I've ever been in worship um, yeah, because, me too. because I had to be a parent as well. And you get to where like, you you know, senior year, I didn't have to open the prayer book. I right. knew it all. Like yeah. I could go through the whole service and there's some beauty in that maybe. Um, but when you sit there and things are changed up because you're chanting it or it's not in morning prayer. And so it doesn't come in the same place. And it's this different thing. Um there's something that that perks your ears up and and you hear it in a different way. Well, you know me, Miss Positivity. I love that this starts out, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Um, Because I think it is so easy to get caught up in like our own junk. And and, and we should get caught up in those things. I'm not, please don't, listeners do not hear me like, don't get caught up in your junk. That's not what I'm saying. But I think we need reminders that all that we have from this earth, all the blessings that we have from this earth come from the Lord. And it is our job to sing that and be joyful in that. And so it reminds me, like when I say my prayers or, you know, I think I've said this before, Murray and I keep a book of common prayer at our table. Um, so when we're saying our our prayers before um, we eat. Like, I want to say, thank you, Lord, first. I want to sing to the Lord first. Before I get into all that nitty gritty, this is what's wrong. Can you help me? These people are sick, blah, blah, blah. Does that make sense to you? Is that how you think about it? Yeah. I mean, so much we get into, and the connection of Psalm 95 to Exodus 17, which we can talk about the connection from this past Sunday, but there people are, are mad and upset and angry at Moses. What a bunch of complaints to God. And sometimes I feel like that's what my prayer life is, is it's, you know, God, why is this and this and this, and please help this and please help that and please help that. And right. Like intercessory prayer like that is, is beautiful. But I, for my own sake need to like the people in the wilderness, like realize God has been active in the past, right? So this Exodus 17, right? I preached on this. So Mm -hmm. I actually know about the Hebrew scriptures, right? Chapter 14, they come to the Red Sea. God parts it. Chapter 15, they're thirsty again. They get water. Chapter 16, they're hungry. Manna from heaven. They've seen God act, but yet they still get pissy. Right. Because God's not acting right now. And in my own life, right? Like I, I feel that way. Like, God, why aren't you doing anything? And I forget God's been doing stuff for 43 years. Yeah. And so to start, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout to joy, right? To know hard stuff's going on. 
Um, but God has been working, God is working, and God will work again. It, to me, the, the praise aspect of prayer, the adoration, um, helps to recenter us on life's not completely bad. Yeah, I think you're so right. I, I, I preach on the same thing, and I think a lot of times we don't feel God in the way we want to, and we forget that it's the people in our life, lives that God most shows himself through, I think. And that's kind of how I ended you know, my sermon in that, is like look for the things that are happening and the way people are treating you and the way they love you. And I, I feel like I've talked to people a lot in my parish who are like, I'm just not feeling God. And it's interesting because I don't see them in church a lot. And I I think a lot of that is because they are not being loved and cared for the way that they would be if they were in the presence of this community, you know? Um, And so that's my first encouragement always. Not that like church is going to fix everything. I don't mean that, but I think that people will love you, but you've got to let them, you know? And if you're not coming you're not letting them. And this, this Psalm or the Venite, as we keep going, there's another, let us come before his presence with Thanksgiving. So there's another like Thanksgiving. And if you, it makes me think about, um, even though we're in the old Testament, but you know, often we refer to communion as the great Thanksgiving. Like that is thank you, Lord, for all that you have given me, um, and show ourselves glad in him. Um, so again, for people like me who love to rejoice, this is like the psalm that breaks us wide open because we're getting that chance, you know. Um, and that pretty much this whole Venite is kind of like that. Um, it's a it's very much a praise to God um, type of psalm. And what I really love about it is you really get into some creation in here. You, in the hands are all corners of the earth and the strength of the hills, the sea, his hands prepared the dry land. Um, and I love the beauty of holiness. Like I love thinking about the creation and where that aspect moves in, um, because I think we can just like drive to work every day and not see the flowers blooming, not see the grass getting green, not we're just like roped and doing our own thing. Right. And we have a little cold snap going on here in South Carolina. I don't know if y'all are having that in Texas, but um, it's uh, it's we're getting freezing temperatures at night. And I've like all week sort of felt a little bit sad because I could see things like greening up. And now they got that little snap, you know, and everybody's got their um, sheets over all their stuff outside, you know, trying to protect them. But God gave us all of that. And we just forget it, I think, because we're humans. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, plants are, are a great reminder of that. Like they die in the winter. And then if you're like me, you're going to dig it up and throw it away. <laughs> Number one, because I don't know anything about gardening. But number two, maybe it's a lack of faith because what happens every springtime? Right. right? Not every plant. I get it. But like, while things may seem dormant, my grass, for instance, it may seem dead and dormant. There's something working um, in the background in every spring around Easter time. It works out that way. A new life springs forth. And so, yeah, I mean, the connection between creation, there's this. Um, Melissa Urban is an author. Maybe you, she wrote 
the Whole 30. It's this. Oh, thing. yeah, I know the Whole 30. Uh-huh. Yeah, and she wrote this book of boundaries. Um, uh, she's an Instagram influencer who influences me. I'm like captivated by her and her husband, the whole deal, whatever. She was part of her magic on you, huh? Yeah, right. Like I'm easily susceptible to uh, influence by social media people, which if you wait till this summer, um, you'll hear some from some folks who uh, do that in the name of the church. Anyway, that's a plug for what's coming this summer. She, uh, a week or two ago, was in Moab, which is a park in Utah. She calls it church. Mm. And I think about that, right? Like for me, church is, you know, this place that's right outside my office. And there's a form of beauty there. But for so many people I talk to, so many people I care about, the church like here means nothing to them. Where they find a connection to God, creator, universe, whatever, is in nature because of the growth, because of new life springing forth, because of all the things we talk about in church but other folks find it in other ways. And so to hear that in his hand are the caverns of the earth, the hills, the sea, all of it. I mean, yeah, that is church. I, and I, I totally agree. I have a brother who lives in Idaho and his, his church is outdoors and, and I get it when I'm out there and I see where he lives and, you know, all of that, or even in my own backyard, just watching that grass grow green again, you know, but my pushback to that always is, and I'm a priest, so I got to say it. I agree. It's all in nature. But what you're missing is the community and God's love. And that's the part where I want people to experience that. But just got to say it because that's what we do, right? Um, okay. So we talked about the sea. We talked about the corners of the earth. Um, now, the last part I want to kind of kneel down on a little bit is, Oh, come, let us worship and fall down and kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is the Lord, our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. So I try to be really thoughtful. Like I know everybody can't kneel. I know every like and I like in my when I'm doing the service, I say, please kneel if you're able, you know, because I understand people have limitations. But there is something about that act of kneeling that I find so holy and so beautiful. And it feels like the, the, the least I can do because I am an able body person and I can. I understand those that can't. Um, I, I was wondering what your feelings were about that because that just that act of kneeling feels so holy to me. Yeah, there's something that, I mean, it's not something we do. Um, you know, we in America in particular, we don't kneel for things. Like the only time you really do it is at church, right? In other countries with monarchies and stuff, maybe there's a thing there, but right, like kneeling, I do the same thing at church. I say stand or kneel, um, what it, or stand as you're able, kneel as you're able, whatever. Um, because of mobility issues. But what comes to mind for me is the controversy that kneeling has caused over the last five or seven years, right? Like you, Colin Kaepernick, who's a football player, he um, struggled with um, issues of, of police brutality, 
all sorts of things, right? And so he no longer felt comfortable standing for the national anthem. The story that doesn't get told is he talked to a former Green Beret who was a teammate and said, what's a way I can still be respectful, but but make a statement? And they just, so like a patriot of patriots, a Green Beret, told this guy, it's like, why don't you kneel? Because what do we do? We kneel at the cross. We kneel at communion. We kneel at all these things. But then all of a sudden, you know, we Americans decided, oh, I stand for the anthem and kneel for, come on. Let's be real. It got turned out. Of, it, out got, of. it became a thing. Right. right. And, and now, like all around Texas, I'm sure all around South Carolina, there's bumper stickers and things that says I stand for the anthem and I kneel at the cross. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Number one, you're conflating two things that Jesus might have some words with you. Conflating. Right. Uh-huh. Um, but kneeling is a sign of respect. It's a sign of adoration. And so um, you know, we don't do that. But when people do that they get labeled something. Yeah. And that's so sad. And I hate that because you're right. Like the second part of the story didn't get told and that's what happens. You know, often I was thinking about um, the first Sunday of Lent when we did the great litany and, you know, I was kneeling and most people were kneeling and like, there was pain in that long, that long of kneeling. Um, it probably wouldn't be as painful if I exercised more. It's probably not painful for you, but it, but, but there was something in that pain too of like all that Jesus has done for me. Surely I can be in this pain for just a few minutes. And and it's not even pain, but uncomfortableness for a few minutes because I respect and care and love for this man so much that died for me that I can do that, you know, um, or, you know, on Good Friday when we bring the cross in and we venerate the cross, you know, and I kiss the feet of Jesus and I stand, I kneel for a long, long, long time because sometimes as priests, we don't get to worship, but because we're like running the show. But for me, that's a super important thing. Um, so, you know, I, I do, I'm sorry that that happened with it, but I, I, I'm glad we were able to kind of set this, or you were able to set the story straight. But I do think, um, and this is not the only Psalm that we talk about kneeling and, and, and before the Lord, our maker, like we have to remember that, um, as Christians, I think that's really, really super important. And so the Venite sort of ends with this last part. I worship the Lord and the beauty of holiness. Let the whole earth stand in awe of him for he cometh. So for he cometh to judge the earth and with righteousness to judge the world and the peoples with this truth. So again, that we talked about this last week, that, that word righteousness and, you know, judging and all of that comes back, but it's God. It's, it's God. And so we want to be, try to be in as good favor as we possibly can after we've done all this Thanksgiving, all this praying, all this thankfulness, right? In the first part of the Venite. And then it ends with a, but don't forget kind of phrase. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Is the constant reminders of, of don't forget. Um, Because this, I mean, the Psalms lay out here, you know, David goes on to, to throw the Israelites under the bus and 
all the complaining and groaning they did, you know, not talking about the stuff that he himself has done. Sure. But the constant reminder of we've been in this place before. Um, God has has acted before. And so when we find ourselves in those places, remembering that that God will and is acting now. Yeah. Yeah. God is always active and we need to kind of continue to remember that over and over, whether it's in the Thanksgivings or it's in the sorrowful times or like be mindful, be mindful of what's there and, and how we, how we treat people. Um, because we want to be in that good favor. I do. I don't know about you, but I do. I'm going to mess up over and over and over, but I, it's important to me what God thinks of me. It's it's very important to me. And um, I, I, the good news is, is that I'm so beloved by God, and I know that, but I still want to try to do right, and I still want to try to be the best human I can be, you know, but which will be full of mistakes. And I think this psalm and this particular Benite. So I, I just want to read again. So I'm, I don't think this was made for children, but I just love this description of this Psalm 95 and the Benite. So I just want to read this last paragraph because again, because I just think it gives such a great overview of what this is. In the Benite, we thank God for making us God's children. We thank God for placing us in this wonderful world God has made. We thank God for God's constant care of us. God feeds us and helps us. God protects us from harm. We also remember that God expects us to obey God. Now, this all says him, and I changed the words to God because this was written in 1957. But... I think it's such a great reminder in just this little short paragraph of that importance that we are beloved children, that we are placed in the world that God made for us, that he has constant care for us, that God feeds us and helps us and protects us, but that we also need to remember that God expects us to obey God. That's that's what Psalm 95 is all about. So anyway, thank you to my parishioner for sharing this little book and words of wisdom. I'm curious if you can find it like to link or something. Yeah, I found a link. I'll put a link to Amazon. Yeah, I'd never seen that book. And I feel like I've seen a lot of Episcopal books and that's not one I'd seen. So it's really sweet and lovely. And um, I'm really grateful for that. Okay, so. Our time is coming to a close. Next week, we are going to have on the podcast, we've talked about this numerous times, but it is happening, Dr. Mark Audrey Graves to talk about what it really feels like and why the Psalms seem to feel more full when we are chanting or singing them. And I'm so excited about that. Um, and so don't don't miss it, okay? And remember, listeners, as always, we love you, but most importantly, God does. 